It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Player Association as partners at the table to figure out what's best going forward. Look, I, I know in talking to uh, Solomon and Brian, as have many of my colleagues, the players want to play. They love this league as, as much as anyone possibly can. They're committed to the future of this league and we're committed to working with them. <laughs> Let's try that again. We'll go from here. Don, I don't think you're in the right zone. What? There was a full slate of games. <laughs> well, to get back to reality, Don, uh, how, was, how was your week this week? Uh, I better wake up. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, we got some more rain. Garden looks great. The land that I own, that I rent, crops are coming along. So good so far. Nice, nice. I was going to say the same. It rained a few days ago. We finally got, you know, like you've said before, the million dollar rain down here and uh, things were looking good until about four o'clock this afternoon when the uh, Great White Combine made its way through my town and has decimated our garden, our rooftop. It was 10 minutes of nonstop hail. It looked uh, like Calgary minus the big ones that went through our car windows. My brother lives in Calgary and he dodged it, but some of the video that I saw from friends of mine on Twitter, oh my lord. Oh, those poor people. So I hope your situation was nowhere near as bad as what I saw there. No, no. And ours, I mean, like I said, we're probably going to have to replace our shingles. Uh, took off some of the stucco on the side of the house. Knocked my trailer, you know, broke all the plastic. Went through some screens on the one side of the house. But, you know, those are those are all replaceable. So not, not bad. How big a stone? I think... It wasn't quite to uh, it wasn't quite to golf ball size, but it was big and it came down with some wind, and it just kept coming and coming and coming. I think I sent you a picture, but you would have seen on my deck we had two or three inches of hail pebbles at the end of it. It looked like snow. Yeah, it did. It did. It uh, definitely dropped the temperature, cooled things off a little bit, and even though we weren't that warm, it wasn't a thirty degree thing. I all of a sudden severe weather. I thought, okay, we're going to get a thunderstorm, but I was not expecting that. Well, I hope the crops are okay, and I mean, buildings can be replaced, but people and plants, a little bit tougher. Well, the good thing is it's early, so many of our crops, and uh, even my garden, you know, I've got some tomato plants that it took most off except the stems, but I think they'll they'll bounce back. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. Could be worse. We're safe. It's good. Mm-hmm. Lots of news this week. Oh, boy. Yeah, lots to talk about um, in the CFL and the CFLPA, really, um, you know, I think we should maybe start there at the impasse. What what did you think of everything that came out this week, Don? Well, it shows you how disconnected the two sides are right now. And if you go to Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you see the heat coming from all different directions on Randy Ambrosi and how he's handled this situation, ouch, <laughs> it's pretty heavy duty right now. There are a lot of people very upset notwithstanding the CFLPA. And certainly there has to be some, I don't want to use the word reckoning, but there's got to be something coming from that office that's going to set the record straight as to what's going on and what's going to happen with the CFLPA. Well, absolutely. I mean, when you hear the commissioner claiming that, oh yeah, we've been communicating, and then you hear the other side saying, yeah, not even close, right? Uh, That's, there's, there's something wrong there. 
And, uh, you know, I tend to believe the players in this case. I, you know, that's certainly where the media has landed as well because they, they just uh, seem to be a little frustrated with the commissioner at this point in time. And I think rightfully so. I mean, I do think you need to be able to communicate with the players. They're the ones who are there. You have to have some timelines. And to this date, Randy Ambrosi, I mean, initially I've been a big fan, but this is not making the league or Ambrosi look good. I would agree. I don't think you win anything by staying silent, in a sense. Mm -hmm. He has talked to media. He was on CFL 2020, TSN's new show on Friday nights, which I thought was excellent, that show. Mm -hmm. Yes. I really love the concept, and, and it's keeping the CFL in mind, which is very important because despite the fact that they're not playing, you still have to be talking football and CFL football. So kudos to TSN. Uh, Rod and company did a, a great job the other night. But even in that telecast, you saw Brian Ramsey speak his mind and say that the communication just isn't there. And you heard Randy Ambrosi talk about, yeah, we've, we're engaging all our partners. Well, who are our partners in that context? Is it the... Board of Governors? Is it Corporate Canada? Who is it? Is it not including the CFLPA? And this is the thing that I think I'm getting a little bit frustrated with. I know that Ambrosi in his heart of hearts probably says there isn't much we can put on the table because we just don't know what's happening this year yet. Mm -hmm. All we know is that July 21st is the extension of the border closure with the U.S., he still doesn't have much of anything firm to offer. But notwithstanding, why not him, I guess in my mind, why aren't you bringing these people along for the ride? Well, and, and, and I do understand not going out to the media and saying, okay, here's, here's exactly where we are. But I think when you're talking, like you said, it, I mean, he has to get the governors on side. And it's clear that the governors in the league are... are in some ways clamping down on the communication. If that's the only one you're communicating with and you're not including the players and maybe TSN's part of that and broadcasting, to me, you have to have all different faucets involved in the discussions about where we're going, how we could potentially make this work, what are we doing for safety across the board. As I said earlier, at this point, it seems that there's a real disconnect right now between the CFLPA and the players themselves and and, and what they're hearing from the league or what they are telling us they're hearing from the league. And, and again, when Ambrosi says, yeah, we're, we're doing what we can to keep everyone in the loop, you know, when everyone's saying no, I think there's obviously a miss. Aluminium is right now putting out a, a note to the players, uh, two fronts. One, he's asking questions of them. Would you want to participate in a 2020? What about salary expectations, accommodations, all kinds of things that he wants to get the membership to to basically respond and then he's got some weight behind whatever he says because this is what the membership wants and you've got the CFLPA also filing a grievance which tells you even more of the impasse that's going on between the league and its players it's not unique to the Canadian Football League no it's baseball not. right now oh. is even at a harder impasse I think than the Canadian Football League is the NBA, Absolutely. even though they got the plan for Orlando, the players are not so sure they want to participate. Uh, MLS seems to be the one league where there's a little bit more harmony about going forward. But then you've got the National Hockey League, who has that sort of uh, hybrid model that they want to do, but they don't even know where they're going to play yet. 
No, they don't. And, and I think, you know, in, in all of those cases, there seems to be a little bit more transparency with the media because I think the, the, the leagues, those other leagues do recognize that the media needs to play a part of it. I agree with you in, in baseball. I mean, that, that's a, a situation in my mind where the commissioner has sided fully with the owners and, you know, they're, they're appearing to take a very hard stance against the players. The CFL and CFLPA have just worked through a you know, negotiation trying to get things settled Thought we were maybe on the same side, but maybe our owners and, and uh, you know, the community-owned teams are, are trying to take a little bit of a harder stance. I think the league and the owners themselves have the players potentially in a bit of a, a tough position because some of the players may not have jobs beyond this. They train, they're working hard for, for the, the games, they're trying to get ready. And at the same point, the league can come to them and say, okay, we want to talk about paying you a full salary or a prorated salary. But it sounds to me as if they haven't even had those discussions. And I don't know how you can be saying we're still moving forward without having had some of those discussions and involving the players with the solution. Players want to get paid. The owners would like to make money. All these things are on there. But without bringing everyone together and putting everything on the table and having a transparent discussion, it doesn't have to go to the media, but a transparent discussion between those two parties, I think is crucial for the league to be able to go and play this year. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Your constituents as a league are your players. Absolutely. You've got fans as well, and you've got corporate partners. But mm-hmm. your number one focus right now, if you're going to provide a product, is to get the players on board. And this is one of the commentaries that's been going around with baseball right now, is there's no goodwill being promoted by the way that they've been acting because – in the one corner, you have players saying, we're not going to accept these salaries. And on the other hand, the owner saying, this is our last offer and we're not moving from that. So mm-hmm. you have a huge battle going on about prorated salaries and you've got all of those issues in baseball and you can, you can see the acrimony towards it developing because they're not in concert. You don't have to be of the same mind, but you have to be shown cooperating on some front when you come up to the media every time ambrosi comes up with the word partners i don't understand what the what the nomenclature is as you pointed out if you don't bring the players along and you don't have these transparent discussions what i mean what do you what do you have to lose by by talking to them i don't understand what the the end game is that says you you're going to be losing it i think if you're the cfl you have to find a way to open up the door invite them in sit down and have a frank conversation about this is the problem we face. These are the issues we have to resolve. This is where we're going to need your help. Now let's discuss. I I don't disagree. As I said before, it's many of these players who who aren't and and maybe don't have other jobs in the event that the league doesn't go forward, they need to be securing some form of employment so that they can pay their bills and make it through until the next CFL season. If you don't have any information coming through your CFLPA and from the league in that negotiation, I understand their frustration. I would want to know. Some of them don't have jobs necessarily to go to. So from the league standpoint, they could certainly interpret that as being a bit of power so we can push the players to maybe accept what we want to do so we can make money. But the reality is everyone's losing money at this point. And you need to come up with a best solution that's going to look at the needs of all sides. And when I say all sides, I mean it's owners, it's league, it's corporate sponsors, but it definitely should include players. If you're going to go to the federal government, in their minds, 
they're asking of themselves, well, if we provide support for this league, what are they going to do for all of its entities, staffing, mm-hmm. players, coaches, and you're, and you're not providing those answers through Ambrosi, then the federal government's going to take a step back and say, well, what's going on here? Like, why do you want this? I agree. At, at the end of the day, the, the, the league needs to have that transparency. And, and to me, that's the key. It's coming down to the transparency. It doesn't have to be to you and I, the fans. We don't have to get all the information. But it does, behind closed doors, have to involve all partners, including the CFLPA. My hope is that Randy Ambrosi, as he hears the feedback, will work with the governors, will work with the, the owners, will work with community-owned teams to say, we need to do a better job. This is not becoming of an organization that is uh, an employer of choice for the players. At this point, it certainly isn't. Well, the interesting thing about Ambrosi, he was brought on board in part because of his success in the financial world in the art of negotiation. Mm-hmm. And this could be his his approach. Don't play your cards until you absolutely have to. I just don't know that you're going to win the, the goodwill game when it comes down to something that's a passion of a lot of people in this country. You've got to step a little bit differently. You do. And to be fair to Randy Ambrosi, he is employed by the governors. And so, I mean, he does have to answer to them. Someone who does, didn't answer to his owners at one point was Vincent Fay, and, and I mean the MLB, they let him go. So he's walking a fine line of making sure he's addressing that, but he keeps talking partnership, so it's time to put those words into action and show a true partnership with everyone, at least to get to the table and have negotiations and be transparent with everyone involved in the league at that level. Now, the other thing that you could take some umbrage with is why is the CFLPA making every move they take so public? Yes. Because you could leave this behind closed doors as well. You could have a public face where we're working with the Canadian Football League, we're doing this, we're doing that. And privately, that's up to you. That's your prerogative. But if you're going to have a conversation, have the conversation. But do you have to always air your grievances in a public forum? Because on that level, I could take some umbrage with Ramsey and company and say, well, why are you always, every time something goes wrong, going right out to Twitter or the media saying, well, they're not talking to us. We're, we're not getting this. We don't know what's going on. I mean, you could. this could all happen without us knowing. You could say we don't see eye to eye. And I think that's what they did when they were having some negotiations earlier. We're not seeing eye to eye. We took a break. But my thought was that after Ambrosi last said they're going to take a break and come back to it, that they would. As it sounds now, it appears that has not happened. You're right. I, I think it's got the, the league in a bit of turmoil right now. And the hope is that we can solve this and move forward because there's still a possibility of playing. At some point, there does have to be a drop dead date. And the commissioner has been very clear about things are going to change on a week to week or month to month basis. So he doesn't want to impose those. But the players and the association do need to have some idea of when we make a decision because if you hold 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 and all of a sudden a week before september a week before we would need to have the camps i guess that's probably into august for sure beginning of august cutting everyone that's not being fair to people in your organization and again i'll go back to those words i've used before as an employer of choice if you want to be a league that values the players and values the people you need to make sure you're including them in a conversation the, the critical mass for the players is a little bit different than the critical mass for the owners. The players yes. 
if they're not going to be playing, they need to know sooner, it seems, than the owners need to know if they're not going to be playing. And as it stands, Sportsnet's reported that at least two owners are not thrilled about a short season as it is. If you have a constituency, the players, who are training and realizing that this may be going out the window, your issue comes up sooner, I think, than it does for the league. And I think that's part of the impasse is that players say, we've got to know yesterday. Ambrosi says, you'll know tomorrow. Or, or we're going to continue to wait. We don't have the answers now. And, and that, again, we are in an unprecedented time and they don't have the answers right now. But at least let's put scenarios on the table with all parties and, and then come to a solution together. To me, the, the wisdom in the group is going to be where you're going to have a best decision made. Well, minimally, I would think that you would enter into a negotiation. And if you're the PA and the league, that once you get into that room have it out whatever you got to say and then again i go back go back out front into the microphones and say what you want to say as a united front like even if it's fight all you want behind the door but out front promote goodwill you want people thinking highly of this league and if this constant battle is going on it's just a distraction to that goodwill it, it is, but I do think you can come to a microphone and also say, you know, we, we are not seeing eye to eye at this point in time, but here's what we do agree upon. There are some givens. The, we want to see the league go if at all possible. We want to give the players a livelihood. We want to give the fans what they want to see. There are some key things that we can say we agree on, and we don't have to see eye to eye. Negotiations aren't always lovey-dovey there's going to be some acrimony and and it's fair to recognize that when you're talking between a you know an owner and and a laborer or a union and a, an organization it's fair to say that we're, we're not seeing eye to eye but right now we're not hearing really anything from the league other than we're doing what we've said we've done and we have done this and i don't think that that's okay and now you may be right the players may be coming out too much and and, and complaining about every little thing you don't want to negotiate in the media either. I think that's part of strong negotiation is behind closed doors. We can, as you said, we can agree to disagree behind closed doors, but then we bring what's on the table, what we agree on out, and we say we've still got room to grow in this area. And that transparency goes to the fans who then have an understanding of where the league's sitting. You don't feel like you need to take sides with the players or with the owners or with the you know, television, whatever it is, you're, you're, you see that we're in this together and that's the strength for me of the CFL. It's something that brings Canadians together. The players are part of our culture. When you go to a festivity like the Great Cup, you're going to walk amongst those people and and that's what makes you feel a, a very strong connection to it. And again, it's transparent. You can talk to people, you're hearing about things, the media has access and when we close all of those areas, it, it it's not very becoming for a league that's trying to build that culture you have two very strong will people make it three with uh, solomon Ellen mimian as well mm -hmm. at that negotiation table find a way absolutely absolutely and and the three at the table done second down CFL expert? We're about to find out. It's trivia time. 
And it's that favorite part of the show that everybody's staying up by the fire to listen. Trivia. Are you ready? I am going for, well, we're going to four questions this week. So yes, I'm ready because I'm going to see if I can raise mine from, you know, around 30 to 33% to 50% today. We're looking for two out of four today, Don. Lofty goals. Bring it on. I think you can do it. I'm going to. I'm trusting you will. (laughs) All right, here we go. We turn the old chair around. Question, whoops, sorry. Question one. Only one team has been shut out in the Grey Cup in the modern era. Which team was it? And I'll give you an option list. A, Saskatchewan. B, Winnipeg. C, Toronto. D, British Columbia. Okay. The modern era, starting in 1945 then. I I think I may know this one. I think it's Winnipeg. You're choosing B? B. You are correct. Woohoo. Well done. Thank you. In 1945, they lost 35-0 to Toronto, and in 1950, they lost 13-0 to Toronto. One for Pat. That's a great start. I have no idea why I know that one, but I did know that one. So, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll take that one. That's cool. I like it. Question two. True or false? So you got a 50-50 on this puppy. Okay, that's good. Ottawa has appeared in, but has never won back-to-back Grey Cups. True or false? Wow. Saying you've appeared but never won, so they have done both then. I'm going to say false. I think they would have won back with Russ Jackson there. You are correct again. Wow. 1968 and 69. Nice. There we go. You're That's batting a thousand, my two my four. <laughs> now I'm going above and beyond, Don, if I make this. Yeah, now, now you can just do what you want for the final two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to mail it in right now. I, I've made it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> He's mailing it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heck, if you keep going, you're going to be at 500 for the tour here if you can keep running like this. Oh, well, let's see. All right. I think you might be three for three. Who knows? Question three. Twice a team with a 500 record has won the Grey Cup. Hmm. Name the teams and the years. 500 record. I'm, oh boy. I want to say Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 89. I'm thinking 9 and 9. But I'm not sure who the other ones are. Okay, we'll call time on this. We'll give you a half point for this. Yes, Saskatchewan in 1989 is correct. The other team, Toronto in 2017. Oh, I should have gone back there. You're right. Ricky Ray? Beat the Calgary Stampeders. One of the most, in terms of record, one of the most lopsided combatants ever. Yes. Yeah, it would have been. And you know, I should have had that. You got half of it, so I'll give you the half point for that. Two and a half out of three so far. You're doing really well. Final question. Question four. Which Blue Bombers special team player had won the Heck Crichton Trophy as quarterback in college? A. Troy Westwood. B. Bob Cameron. C. Trevor Kennard. Or D. 
Chris Svetkovich. I'm going with D. Chris Svetkovich. The answer is B. Bob Cameron. Ah, oh, shoot, that was my second choice. Well, you know what? I still I, I did mail it in almost. <laughs> Bob Cameron was uh, at Crichton winner as a quarterback with Acadia in 1977. Wow, he was a good athlete, great punter. I, two and a half. I made it over 500 today. Great story of him starting in the CFL. He bounced from team to team to team to team to team before finally landing in Winnipeg permanently. Yep, and and staying there for a long time. And and permanently is the operative word. Yeah, exactly. He and Lupus Aglia are the two in my watching careers that you remember. Those are the kickers that just seem to be there forever. Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. Third down. Interesting news out of the CFL this week has to do with the salary cap, which has been in place for a number of years. And this year, the CFL announced that only one team has uh, exceeded the salary cap, and that was the Toronto Organauts. Not long behind that announcement, though, we had the announcement coming from the league that there would be no fines this year due to the COVID situation. Thoughts on that? It's an interesting decision. I won't come down on it too, too hard. The salary management system has been around since, what, 2007? Mm -hmm. Ticats being the last team, I believe, that went over about a tune of $8,000. The purpose of a league having a salary cap is to ensure that everyone is playing by the same rules. When the team exceeds it, even if it finishes with a 4-14 and record, I think there needs to be some accountability on behalf of the league to say there's there's been a consequence. Now, at the time, did we know COVID situation was going to be here? No. But... Even if you're not willing to impose a financial penalty in this year, maybe you work with the governors to say, okay, they're going to forfeit a second or third round draft pick. But to me, there needs to be some form of accountability to make that structure binding in some ways. But honestly, I do think there, there has to be, even if you're going to change your, your coaches, your players, your front office, there has to be some accountability for that organization to play within the rules. And in this case, it's like, well, okay, since it's Toronto and it doesn't really matter, they didn't make playoffs, so we'll just wash our hands. That, that's what it looks like. So the optics, for me, aren't good. I guess the, the mitigating thing is that it is a COVID-19 year. And if you sanction the Argos this year, what is the impact? It's got to be put in place so that, that everyone goes. Let, let's say, for example, we, we did happen to have the league this year. Are people then going to say, okay, because it's COVID, we can just go over the salary cap. Let's keep players on the roster. Let's, even though we can't only dress two quarterbacks, we're going to make sure we're paying this other guy. And if we go over by 50,000, it doesn't matter. It's COVID situation. We won't get fined. There's a precedent set. And when you're dealing with the, the structure and the legalities around that, I don't think you can or should be setting that precedent. Again, it doesn't have to be big, right? But, but something. Well, it's dollar for dollar for the first 100000 I believe. Mm -hmm. And then it's two to one after that and three to one after that, which is pretty much par for the course for any league 
in a, such a system. I, I mean, I know some teams were upset about this. Would you? And it does, like you say, set a precedent mm-hmm. because now it's like pit lane in NASCAR. You get basically eight Ks faster than what pit road speed is supposed to be as an allowance, right? Mm-hmm. So, are you giving an allowance on this? And it, I don't know. If that's the case, they'll be transparent. Set that up ahead of time and, and abide by those rules. I wouldn't argue that. I, I just don't know. I mm-hmm. $500 I get, you're within the area, there maybe needs to be a bit of leeway, but that should then be built in. If you're hitting within that area, 5000 10000 whatever they decide that point is, we're not going to go there, but once you exceed this point, right? So particularly in a year where there may be some extra costs involved, particularly on football operation sides or or something. I, COVID is a is a situation where you maybe do have to respond. Having said that, let's play this out as a different team. Let's say that this was Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Calgary Stampeders or a, again a team that has money, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Are they not going to find them? Would they have wiped their hands on that fine this year? I we we don't know because they weren't over. No, because they have... And maybe had they been over, they might have been given the same pass. Possibly, but I'm I'm not sure that they would. In, in my opinion, I would think those teams that are seen as being financially solvent are probably going to get more of a rap than those that aren't, right? Which... which you think Toronto's not solvent? Well... With that ownership group? They, they are now, but through the course of the year, I mean, the, who would be paying for this? The league took over some operations for a period of time. Maybe that's why we're not paying. Well, yeah, in Montreal they did, but not in Toronto. Toronto's ownership group is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's the issue. I think... Or or is it, Don? Is it because they're powerful and they have some sway with the Board of Governors that... Well, you're talking conspiracy theories now, and I'm not going to buy it. Well... <laughs> Well, I mean, this is not a Toronto-centric football league. Some people will argue that to the cows come home, but I, I'm not one to believe it. I want to know the particulars. Without knowing the particulars, it's very tough to to get all in a huff about this. And if if the league had said it didn't matter if the Argos did and if any of the other eight did during COVID, we're not the the rule won't be applied. Then okay, everyone's got the same pass during a COVID year. So in that case, then then why would the league not have done that first? Before any teams report, say, you know what, this year we're not going to do it. And then when it comes out, I think it's transparent, right? Doesn't matter. Well, they, they report in April, though. And in April, where were we with COVID? I mean, you can't go back and redress the, hi- the history of this. You, you have to take it for what it is. Part of the argument is, given COVID, not much point. I agree with you. Draft picks would be an, another thing. Usually I thought draft picks were. If you went over by a certain amount, you'd lose a draft pick or two. So mm-hmm. nobody's really done it. Like nobody's hit the, the major plateaus. It's, I don't know. It, it does set up a, an, an interesting sort of situation where, let's say in 2021, somebody goes over and then they say, well, wait a minute, you gave Toronto a pass. Why don't we get a pass? And this is the thing. I don't... I don't, I don't like the decision, but I, without knowing precisely how... See, and I, I, I mean, to me, a line is a line. And, and when you're working with contracts and negotiations and, and any kinds of agreements, then you need to abide by that agreement. And, and when it's in place is when you pay... A, and again, if, if it's about the fine because of the financial solvency of, of, you know, any league or the organization itself, 
then then I understand we need to do something different. But just kind of wiping our hands and saying, well, we're just not going to do it this year. To me, that that's not okay. I don't think it's as simple as that. I just don't see that. Because well, then, then the league needs got, to be more you've got, transparent. You've got, well, yeah, but like, look, at you had Jim Pop there. He had a plan for the salary. He gets let go. Somebody else comes in, isn't really privy to that plan, how they're going to manage the salary, and suddenly, boom, they're over. But that could be... Like, it's not, it's not unreasonable to expect that a team could be over given what Toronto went through last year. That's not an unreasonable expectation. I, I know what you're saying, a rule's a rule's a rule, and I agree. I, to me, it just seemed awkward, Don, but I mean, uh, you know, it, it's done. We're moving forward from that, I guess. We'll see what happens in future years, and if this does set a precedent, it, it could certainly change. I mean, it's a self-governing type of a system. I don't know how much in a way of a forensic audit goes on with all nine teams. Mm -hmm. I know when I think Kohan had envisioned it in the first place, that was what he wanted to do. Yeah. But whether or not they still do it, uh, the CFL is talking about 3.0 and bringing your costs down. Well, going over the cap isn't going to solve that. No, it's not. It's not. One other piece of news coming out of the CFL, and it's not just the CFL, number of leagues done, is that they're, they're um, signed a joint statement, the commission signed one, with the NHL, the NBA, MLB, and MLS, where they've gone to the government of Canada in an effort to legalize single-game betting. It's interesting. Um, is that a good move, Don, for the CFL from that view? I think so, yes. I, I can certainly understand from a league standpoint when you when you move to a betting situation like this, and I mean you and I have been in DraftKings. Uh, it, for me, that's something that keeps me uh, engaged in the game because I'm able to pick my players and watch them. It's a fantasy league, right? And and a fantasy league where you pay money to uh, go in the league. The CFL and and uh, the other leagues that have signed into this, uh, I'm assuming that they're do they get a cut on this, or is it risk of someone being compromised because of illegal betting? I, I think the illegal betting is probably a lower concern. I think you touched on it briefly there. It's the cut. Mm -hmm. I think if you sign into this and you get governments on side, then you get a cut of that money because it's your product that they're betting mm -hmm. on. So I think this is where the CFL actually gets a net benefit from this in terms of money because now they're privy to this influx of capital that's going to be used on Canadian Football League games per night as opposed to like our, our DraftKings thing we're paying five bucks I mean other leagues you can pay more obviously yeah you can pay whatever you want yeah but you know five bucks a week to to pick four type mm -hmm. of thing yeah and you know in terms of revenue I guess that that's a good move right the, we know that the betting is going to take place anyway you and I can have a side bet of who's going to win this Thursday's game that's happening <laughs> uh, we could do that and, and and nobody gets any cut other than people involved so this way government will get a cut Leagues will get a cut. I guess in that sense, it, it's maybe a good thing for bringing more people in to follow the league. We have to consider is you want more eyeballs or at least more chatter about what's going on every week in the Canadian Football League. And betting is a huge, huge, huge thing in the United States. It's getting bigger in Canada. And if you've got more money involved, you're going to have more people talking about it. You and I went back and forth the last couple of years before we started this podcast about our oh. picks on CFL Fantasy or on draft. Absolutely. And 
it just engages the fan a lot more. It, it does. You start following not just the team you cheer for, but individual players or, you know, when you're in fantasy and all these leagues have fantasy, who's up against who this week and what are the matchups that are key. It makes you dig deeper into the league. And from that sense, I would agree this is a good move for the league. I, I don't know. Does DraftKings pay the CFL for being able to my 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 guess is no i I don't know if they do or don't and if they don't then i think they should (laughs) yep yeah and that will be the interesting side i mean if it's they're going to canadian government so this is obviously government run betting like the lotteries and and things where where does the money go to the question remains to be seen that they want the betting to go but will they get the cut if they do i think it's absolutely a good thing. I think that's why they're going to the government is to make sure they get the cut. The legalized betting in the states has changed dramatically with court decisions in the last couple of years. And I think Canada is just getting caught up to what the landscape is now going to be. And the Canadian Football League, and give them credit for being aware that there's a revenue stream out there that for right now they probably don't get much out of, but if they get signed up with it and have it regulated, then they'll get a certain cut of whatever betting goes on on whatever betting services that are allowed. And this is the other thing. You can then start to determine which betting sites or which methodologies you're going to allow to have betting on your product. Absolutely. You know, we'll see how this goes. It's at the government stage now. They're going to make a decision on whether or not that will go. And uh, in a different reality, Don, if those games were going, I think uh, you and I could have a bet on the... uh, what was it, Edmonton, BC game that was to happen tonight? <laughs> it was supposed to be last Thursday, yes, as we dropped our last podcast. That was opening night. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Hey, we can, all, we can always dream about it. I was kind of in a daze. Oh, crap, I didn't see a game. Yeah. I, I'm so... It is. Oh, I'm just going through withdrawal. For sure. It's really hurting now because this is the regular season. Well, let, let's hope that we hear something about this soon. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-O-W-N-G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching. Worth watching.